as we've sung, God is good. He's always good. And therefore, he's seeking to bring good into the world, to reach out with love and forgiveness and to welcome people into a relationship with him. That is good news, isn't it? Since we all at times feel broken, he wants to help and he can help us. Today, we're going to look at Abraham and how God was doing a new thing in the world. God's main way of doing new things in the world is through a people of faith. He starts with Abraham, a man the Bible described as of great faith. As we look at Abraham, my point this morning is how can we be a people of faith in the 21st century? I believe that we can. I mean, you might be asking a deeper question. Well, Why should I have faith even? There are myriads of reasons, but one is that you get to partner with a God who is on the move, a God who is beginning things, a God who is full of love, who wants you and I to do things with him. He is living and active. There is a world of difference in us just doing things for God than doing things with God. And that is our privilege, the adventure that we can have, is doing things with God in everyday life. And secondly, the New Testament book of Hebrews says in 11 verse 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because we must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those that earnestly seek him. We, we can actually please God by faith. And as we seek him, he rewards us in some shape or form. Two reasons why we should be a people of faith. So let's get back to that question. How can we be a people of faith? So let's, we're going to read about Abraham and his life and so that we can learn from it. But before we get into our main passage this morning, which is Genesis 15, we're going to have briefly look, briefly look at Genesis 12, where it says that um, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses, I will curse. That's a kind of in parenthesis some people feel, some scholars think. The main emphasis is on blessing. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. There's, can't you see these blessings, the goodness of God coming through So, verse 4, Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, and his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Cana, and they arrived there. This is one of a number of passages telling us about Abraham, or as I probably keep calling him, Abraham, because that's what he was called later, and, his, and Abraham's great faith. 
God speaks and, and so Abraham steps out of his comfort zone. He leaves his security, his country, his family, and even worse, he's going somewhere that he hasn't got a clue about. What a step of faith. And we often think faith is certainty, that there aren't any doubts, not even for a single moment, that it's only when we, we have no doubts that we're in that place of faith. Um, you know, there's a number of passages that kind of give that view, and you might have that view, but I want to suggest that's not quite true. Hebrews uh, 11 verse 1 in the original NIV says, um, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And, um, oops. Yet... Most translations say evidence or conviction instead of certain. Uh, King James Version says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It doesn't say certain. The, the NASB says conviction in that place as well. And, and so, you know, I wonder, did Abraham never have second thoughts as he left his country? as he left his family, as he went to a place that he didn't know about. Uh, I don't think he'd be human if he didn't have some of those kind of thoughts. Um, but the key thing is that he went. And Greg Boyd, Greg Boyd defines faith as a conviction that leads to action. It's not necessarily this psychological certainty that there's only that thing in your brain there, there might be some doubts but overall there's that sense of conviction that leads to action and of course it's great when we have the peace that passes understanding um, in our lives and situations but I can remember a couple of big points in my life knowing that God wanted me to do that but did I have certainty no I didn't oh, there were some doubts Abraham was a great man of faith because of his action of leaving, as God had said. Another passage that speaks of Abraham as a person of great faith, and yet also some doubts, is Genesis 15. After this, the, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, or Abraham. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate, estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up to the sky, count the stars, if you can indeed count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So, our question how can we be a people of faith?
I want to give you three points today. The first one is learn to listen, lament or cry out to God, and live in God's word. Those are the three things I want to say. Now, our text in uh, Genesis 15 started with after this. So what happened in Genesis 14, in the pre- that chapter, there had been a great battle. And God had helped Abraham rescue his nephew Lot from some strong kings. Now, Abraham was probably afraid of these kings, that there might be this reprisal, and they would come against him. More than that, he'd chosen not to take the spoils of war. So perhaps in this place of weakness that Abraham now felt, a hero of faith, God, in his tenderness, speaks into Abraham's situation. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. Some versions give sovereign. Your very great reward. God was assuring him that he would protect him and that he would provide for him. He would be his great reward. But I want to move on here. What what I want us to notice that God spoke in a vision to Abraham. Now, obviously, Abraham didn't have the Bible in those days, so how was God going to speak? And we have the Bible, and that is the most important place where God speaks to us as we read his word, and maybe even he highlights something from the scriptures by his Holy Spirit. But I want to say to you that God does speak in other ways as well, and that he's living and active. Acts chapter 2, for example, at the birth of the church says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Last week, if you saw um, the Mike Pilavachi video, he talks about God speaking all the time. But our problem is we don't tune in and we need to and we can learn to hear God's voice and then we like Abraham can step out in faith or be encouraged just to keep going in what God has called us to do I love this encouraging story about God speaking in visions today it's, it's from Pete Gregg's book, How to Hear God. It is quite a long story, but bear with me as I go through it. Longing to hear God and live, Ken Helsler made Jesus as his Lord. He repented of his sins, kicked drugs, quit the band with its promise of fame, and solemnly recommitted himself to be faithful to his wife and his two daughters. I began to discover, he says, with twinkling eyes, that in everything, God has a voice. I would go about my day talking to him and asking, what are you saying in this situation? Where are you at work in this place? What was that encounter all about? Clearly, he's had a a, a relationship and God speaking in the everyday that Ken is expressing there. Uh, A few years later, a retired school teacher teacher by the name of Kermit not a green frog by the way (laughs) came to see Ken they'd only met once before 
But Kermit announced that he had a message from God and proceeded to describe an encounter with God he'd had one evening while praying on a baseball field. The Lord had appeared to him and said, Tell my servant Ken Helzer that I have healed his seed. He's going to have a son who's going to be called Jonathan David. He will play the harp and he will sing like an angel and he will write prophetic songs for his generation and his music will go out over all the earth. What Kermit didn't know as he delivered that message was that Ken's wife had cancer of the uterus. She was just two weeks away from a scheduled hysterectomy, which was going to make conceiving another child medically impossible. Neither did he know that Ken was hiding a secret fear that his years of hard drug abuse had um, damaged his seed. He hadn't told Linda, but this was the real reason. He was always resisting the idea of having a third child. But now, with his faith turbocharged, Ken rushed home to pray for Linda's healing before persuading their gynaecologist to conduct just one more preoperative test, explaining that they'd prayed. The results came back and the, and the pathologist was baffled. In fact, he kept checking that this was really the same woman because there was no longer sign of any cancer. As for the gynaecologist, when he came down the corridor to break the news to Ken and Linda, he was whistling. That's got to be a good sign, chuckled Ken. I've been in practice 30 years, the doctor said, and I think I've just witnessed my first miracle. He paused to let the words sink in. Ken, your wife is 200% okay. Jonathan David Hesler, Helser, was born the following year. The fruit of a miracle tested by science and promised by God. But growing up, he showed interest, no interest at all in music. His sole obsession was sport. Wisely, Ken and Linda never put any pressure on him. He never shared the details of Kermit's prophecy. And then at the age of 19, he finally asked his dad to teach him a few chords on the guitar and went off to the UK to train with youth with a mission at the base in Nuneaton. Ken went to visit and listened in awe for the first time ever. He heard Jonathan David play one of his own songs, a call upon his generation to rise up and take back the land. land. Today, Jonathan David Helzer makes music with his wife, Melissa, that truly circles the earth, just as the prophet Kermit predicted all those years ago. Pete Gregg writes, in fact, I was with him the day he heard the news that his song, Raise a Hallelujah, had reached number one on the play charts. And as for his award-winning anthem, No Longer Slaves, it came, con contains some especially poignant lines. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood throws, flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. A remarkable story of God speaking and encourages me that God is alive and living and active. Our big question is, how?
that we hear from God. And I think Pete Gregg's latest book, How to Hear God, is probably the best book I've read on that. And I certainly would encourage you, if you're at all interested, to read that. And the Lexio 365, which is a Bible meditation app from 24-7, I think teaches us to meditate and to bring us into a place of that stillness and silence in which God can speak. So often we are so distracted by so much noise around us that we fail to hear and tune into God's voice. And I guess I suppose all my Christian life, pretty much I have believed that God speaks. And yet I've struggled so often to hear him. And I think that, um, and it's only recently probably I've begun to be, I have faltering steps and perhaps I'm like in junior school, not like the adult, like Kent, like Kermit would be an adult standard. I'm kind of in that sort of level. And, and, and I just, if, if there's a message I want to give today, it, it is that, that God speaks. And that's my experience. And, you know, I just want to encourage you to get into that place of stillness and quietness, to hear God's voice. God is not just some uh, theology or philosophy, or, or, but he is real and to be experienced and to be known. And recently I started this well-being course. Why did I do that? Yes, I understood the scriptures. I understood my gifting. I knew that was something I could do, but God spoke to me in a dream. And then on another occasion, as I was seeking his face and hearing him, trying to hear from him, he spoke to me in pictures and said some words to me that I was most surprised about. So I just want to encourage you. It, we can listen. Everybody can hear from God. So that's my first point. Learn to listen. My other points are quicker, okay? <laughs> the second point is... Lament, cry out to God. You know, um, God, after speaking to assure Abraham in a vision about what he wanted to do. Verse 2, chapter 15. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my state is Eliza of Damascus. And Abraham said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Abraham brings his, his doubts and his questions to God. God had already told him a couple of times that he would give him the land and he would, his offspring would have that land. But here we have this great, the Bible describes this great man of faith, yet doubting, just like you and me, and having questions. If we're going to be a people of faith, the key is when we doubt and question is, is to not run away, but to bring our questions to God. So God speaks. Abraham says, what about this? And God speaks. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And Abraham believed and he credited it to him as righteousness. However, our questions and our disappointments don't always have these nice rosy answers, do they? Sometimes God gives answers, other times he does not to these big questions. And overcoming our 
our difficulties and our dis- disappointments and struggles are really hard. It's difficult to move on. And it's an important question that we do need to deal with. But I think I'm, I'm not going to say too much here and now except to say that, um, that um, we will be, de- I think we'll deal with it more in the series as we come along in Genesis people. Um, and as I was, I was thinking last night, I was thinking, you know, I mean, maybe this is just, just, just me, but, but I, I wonder if there's perhaps people in low mood or, or depression here this morning, and you feel stuck there. And um, I think God feels your pain, and He accepts you. And loves you exactly as you are. And please don't beat yourself up for feeling being in that place. Pete Gregg, in his context of importance of keep pioneering, i.e. overcoming our disappointments and keep going on with God, he writes in his book, Dirty Glory, he says, it's a common tendency to settle in our grief or loss, whatever you want to call it, disappointment, to redefine the geography of our lives according to the contours of our pain. And of course, when we are bereaved and hurting, it's important to stop for a while and lament our loss. It's not healthy to continue as if nothing is wrong. But neither is it healthy to make disappointments our permanent domain. We need to be defined, uh, this is me now, <laughs> not Pete Gregg. He needs, we need to be defined not by our loss or disappointment, but by God's love that goes on and on and on and on. And his call on our lives. It might not be a clear call like Abraham, but his primary call to each one of us is to be a people of love and serve And as we seek his face, he may give us something more specific. How can we be a people of faith? We need to learn to listen. We need to lament and take to God our struggles. And we will have some, to be sure. But finally, we want to live in the word of God. I don't know whether you noticed that there's a journey of faith for Abraham. Just like us, we need to pursue God and focus until the penny kind of drops, as it were. God has spoken a number of times to Abraham before, and yet he was doubting. God speaks again in this passage. Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Surely now Abraham's got it, you know. God has spoken again. Surely that should be enough for our hero Abraham, but God knows it isn't. So he says... He takes him outside, doesn't he? Was it by the scruff of the neck? No, I don't think so. I think he, he kind of, you know, he, he says, come on, have a look, you know. And as he looks up to the stars, Abraham begins to get it. He begins to have faith. Maybe he was a visual learner rather than an auditory person or whatever. Maybe it was the, 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 the contemplation, the meditation that he, he looks And then Abraham has that place of faith. 
He believed. We need to live in God's word to come to a place of faith. The Bible verse Hebrews 10 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now we need to just do a little aside here because there was that thing about credited as righteousness. Abraham believed and he credited God, credited to him as righteousness. Um, That means kind of a right relationship, not based on some good works that Abraham had done, but because Abraham believed. Later, Paul quotes this passage in Romans 4 and says that God credits to us a right relationship with God. As we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, we can have that close relationship. God doesn't think, oh, you're a horrible sinner anymore. He says, yeah, you're my friend and yeah, we'll get on together. No wonder in that context of relationship, God wants to speak to us if we listen. Despite this moment of incredible faith that pleases God so much, Abraham still hasn't always got it. Our great man of faith is not trusting God, and we'll see next week he takes things into his own hands. So we need to remember God's promises and what he's done in our lives. Um, I like these books, Stuart, if you could just put that up for me. Fantastic. You might have seen that when we did the Something Different Sunday. Some of the books that I have are testimonies of God who is living. Difficult to read them all probably, but to, to see them up there. Um, Heidi Baker, Hudson Taylor, George Muller, um, um, and, and, and lots of others that I think on. I think on some of these people. I think of people that I've heard their stories. And that raises my faith. And as I think about, I regularly do this. I think about those stories that my faith is kindled. And then I think about my own stories, my own encounters. At least once a week I think about my ten encounters of God. And that encourages me that God is a living. And it disturbs me emotionally. And I would encourage you to go away today and write down some of those things in your life and to regularly think about them. Because what's happening is our lives are so full of the present moment, so full of the world, the news, the stories, our families, all the stuff that's going on. And we forget the deeper reality of the presence of God. So live in his word, live in our encounters with him, live from that place. Not in the doubts, the disappointments and the distractions of our world. Okay, so how can practically this land with you and I this morning, today? First, we need to learn to listen. Away from the distractions of the world, find that quiet place. Pete Gregg's book is very good on that. And also the Lectio 365 begins to teach us some ways in which we can find that quiet place. Secondly, lament. Please, when you're in pain, do not run away from God. I know that's, in some ways, that's our natural reaction, perhaps. But run to him. And then step out with God again. And thirdly, live in his word. Find ways of remembering the things that God has done. 
I think it would be truly amazing if we became a people of faith. Imagine if we became a people of faith and we began, each of us began to step out afresh with the God that is active, that is wanting to do things. And where we as a church would be, where we as individuals would be. Each of us has a story that we can take to people and share of Jesus and his love and his grace. God could do immeasurably more than we think or imagine according to his power that is within. His power is in you and me if we're Christians. So he can do more. And he, he is looking for you and I to join in that adventure because he's moving. Will we take part?